Well, good morning, Sagemont. It is, uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Pastor Matt Carter, lead pastor here at Sagemont. I want you to open up your Bibles today to the book of John, chapter 1, verse 4. John, chapter 1, verse 4. We'll get there in just a second. Today, um, in our country, we are celebrating Sanctity of Life Sunday here in the United States. And so that's the day where we think about the value of human life. And as a matter of fact, I looked up the word sanctity just to make sure we know what we're talking about here today. And the word sanctity, the definition of it, means something of great value or importance. And so today we're going to answer the question, why does human life have sanctity? Or more importantly, why does God particularly place such a great and high value on us and all human life? And here's the thing, church, make no mistake. The issue of the sanctity or the value of an individual human life, it's one of the most hotly debated and most hotly contested issues and subjects in our country. But despite the debate in our culture, here's the truth of the matter is that it is not a contested subject in this book. It's God's love and God's value for human life is crystal clear in the scripture. And because of that, it's absolutely critical that as Christians, we have a biblical understanding of how God views, and how God thinks about and how he values human life so that regardless of the issue that we're dealing with in the culture, that we don't view those things through a political lens, but we view them through a biblical one. And so let's begin today, let's pray, and let's ask God to speak to us through his word. Father, I love you. And as we um, look today at a topic that in many ways is ripping our country apart. Father, I pray that you would speak clearly today through your word. This issue, though it is debated in our world, it is not debated in your word. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak through me today clearly and so that we can understand just how much you value life. And I ask that today so that the name of Christ would be exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes today, here's what we're going to do. I want to give you three reasons today, pretty, pretty short, pretty simple message. I want to give you three reasons today why God loves and values human life, okay? And then we'll be done. I want to jump in and just give you the first one. Here's the first reason God loves life. Number one, God loves life because God is life and is the author and the creator of life. God loves life because he is the author and the creator of life. And so let's look at John chapter 1, verse 4 together. John chapter 1, verse 4. I want to read us a, a verse that gives us an idea of why God loves life so much. In John 1, 4, this is John speaking about Jesus, and he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
And, and in some of the very first words of John's gospel, John makes an is- interesting claim. He says, in him, that's Jesus, was life. Now, to understand what he's talking about, what he means by that, this is one of those places where it's helpful to go look at the original language. The New Testament was written in Greek. And sometimes the way that the Greek writes out the sentence in the original text gives us a deeper understanding of what the author's saying. And so I'm just going to read literally to you what it says word for word in the Greek. In the Greek, this verse literally reads, in him life was. And so in the English, it says, in him was life. But in the Greek, it says, in him life was. And so the idea that John is trying to convey here in John 1 chapter 4, or John chapter 1 verse 4 is this, is that in Jesus, life has always existed. That in the person of Jesus, life has always existed eternally. And so when John says that, in him, life has always existed, here's what he's not saying. He's not saying that Jesus has always been alive. That's true. Jesus has been alive with the Father through all eternity past. So Jesus has always been alive, but it's an infinitely bigger idea than that. What John's saying is that Jesus is by his very nature life. That's who he is. And he has always existed as life. Now here's why that matters. Since Jesus is life, And he's always existed eternally as life. Here's what that means. Listen carefully. That any life that's come after him is the result or the creation of him. So I don't care what anybody says in the world. Only life can create life. That's why I simply cannot believe that at some point in eternity past there was nothing. There's nothing. And then, and then out of nowhere, boom, there was just this big bang for no reason than all of matter, all was life, was created out of absolutely nothing. I don't believe that. Something cannot come from nothing. Only life can create life. And that's why John says in the, in the verse right before that, John chapter 1, verse 3, John says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made John says that everything that has ever been made has come through Jesus okay so because God is life he is the author and he is the creator of all life now here's what I want you to do I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 Genesis 2 verse 7 Because in this one verse, we're going to see a couple of things about how God created us that show just how, in particular, human life is so unique and it's so special and has intrinsic value to God. So let's read this, Genesis 2-7. Talking about creation here. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath 
of life. And the man became a living creature. And so that's, that's a beautiful picture there. It says that when God created us, he created us and then he got down in our face, face to face. And the scripture says he breathed his breath into us and we began to live. And so that's, that's beautiful when you think about it, that the very first air that man ever breathed was the breath of God. Okay, then what happened? Look at chapter two, verse seven again. It says, and the Lord God formed the man, the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and then man became a living creature. So what made us come to life was the breath of Almighty God. When he breathed into us, because God is life, when he breathed into us, we began to live. And so that's just a simple first reason that God places such a high value, particularly on human life, is because God is life. And therefore, he is the author and creator of all life. Now, here's the second reason that God loves and values human life. And this is when it really starts, in my opinion, to get pretty amazing and beautiful. Reason number two, God loves life because we humans are the only part of creation that was handmade by God. God loves life because we are the only part of creation that was handmade by God. Let me explain what I mean by that. About a year ago, I saw something in Genesis 2 I've never seen before. I'd never heard it preached before. And it's, it's really incredible. And when we see it, it starts making all the sense in the world why God in particular values us as humans. Look at Genesis 2-7 again. I want to show you how God created man because it's different than how he created every other part of creation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Genesis 2, 7, watch this. It says, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. Look at the first part of that verse again. It says, then the Lord God formed the man. Now, here's a theological question for you. Up to that point right there, up to that moment when he created man, here's the question. How did God create everything else up to that point? How did God do it? How did he create it? Well, here's the answer. Up to that point, everything God created, he created it by speaking it into existence. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. And the earth sprouted vegetation. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. And the earth was filled with animals. Up to this point in history, everything that God created, he just spoke it. And it happened. But look at Genesis 2-7 one more time. Verse 7, it says, then the Lord God formed the man. Scripture just said that when God created us, when God created man and woman, he didn't speak us into existence. He formed us. Now, what does that mean? Well, the word formed is key. The word form there 
is the Hebrew word. Uh, what is the Hebrew word? I don't know what the Hebrew word is. <laughs> but the Hebrew word there is a word that means uh, it was used back in the day for pottery. Uh, the word form there, it's a Hebrew word that it was used to describe when a potter would form a, a, a piece of pottery with his hands. And so church, God created us differently than every other part of creation. Every other part of creation, he spoke it into existence. But what that just said is that you and I were literally formed with the hands of God. Now, why does that matter? Why is that amazing? Well, if you think about it, one of the greatest indications of the value of something is when it's handmade. You know, if, um, if I had a friend or you had a friend that gave you as a gift, say a birthday present, this beautiful ornate leather bag and gave it to you and said, man, I love you. This is a gift I want to give you. And it's amazing and you love it. And you look down at it though, and it says, has a little sticker on it that says made in China. You know, you, you would still love the gift. It would still have value to you. But in the back of your mind, you know, like it was probably made by some machine, you know, somewhere in China. But if you gave you the bag and it didn't have that little sticker on it and you asked your friend, like, this is beautiful. How is this made? Your friend looked at you and said, it's, it's handmade. I made it with my own two hands. Well, that bag would instantly have more intrinsic value to you. And so I want you to let that rest on your heart. That man and woman were so valuable to him. They were so special to him. We are so unique and so set apart from all of creation that he did not speak us into existence, but he formed us with his own two hands. And Sagemont, that's why Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, Paul said, for we are his workmanship. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in him. Paul says, you and I are the workmanship of God. Now, what does that mean? What does that word workmanship mean? This is also really cool. The Greek word for workmanship is the Greek word poema. It's where we get our English word poem. Says month, this verse literally says that we are God's poem. And so what the scripture is showing us is that human beings and human beings alone are the handmade artwork of God. And, and that alone, that alone ought to radically change our understanding of just how valuable human beings really are. But here's the thing. I think most of us sort of get that God values human life as a whole. I think we get that. But here's a question I want to ask. Does God value each individual human life? In other words, people get that, that God values humanity, but the question is, does he value me? Does he value me as an individual? Do I as a person have that kind of intrinsic value to God? I want to give you an example here in a second about why it is true that we do have individual value to the Lord. I want to tell you about my dad. My dad's 75. He's a, he's a retired fireman. He's this old, rough, 
Um, guy, he'd fit right in here at Sagemont. You'd love him. But when I was growing up, my father was incredibly intentional about telling me that he loved me. He was very intentional about saying he was proud of me and they loved me. He was always doing that. And after I had kids of my own, I sort of realized how much that meant to me in my life. And so I, I was talking to him one day, not too long ago. And I said, Dad, you've always been really intentional about telling me that you love me and speaking that value into my life. I was like, why did you, I asked him, why did, why did you do that? Was there a reason you, that you did that? And he said that he was. He said that he was very intentional about it. And the reason that he gave me absolutely broke my heart. So the reason that he was intentional was that his whole life up to the point when he became a believer that he thought he was worthless. And he told me a story about why he thought that. He said when he was 11 years old, his father, my grandfather, got mad at him one day. Got really angry at him, started yelling at him. His father told him that before he was born, his mother and him were on birth control. And, um, but they got pregnant anyway. And then my grandfather said something to his son, my dad, that you should never say to your kid. He looked at him and said, you never should have been born in the first place. He said, you were a mistake. So he spent his entire life thinking that he was an accident. He spent his entire life thinking he was a mistake. He spent his entire life thinking that he wasn't even supposed to be here. But I want to show you a verse in Psalms 139 that shows us why that is a lie from the pit of hell. In Psalms 139, 13, it's King David speaking. And he's speaking to God. He said, God, for you formed my inward parts. God, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Because what the scripture's saying here is that God didn't just hand make humanity. He handmade you. It says God formed, there's that word again, handmade. God, you handmade my inward parts. God, you knitted me intricately, individually together when I was in my mother's womb. That is mind-blowing when you think about it, that there was a moment in history, believer, where the eyes and the hands of God were on you as an individual. And he intricately and wonderfully and fearfully and powerfully made every individual part of who you are. And when that reality hits David, when it, when it hits him that, that God was looking at him at one point in history and God handmade his parts and God knitted him together in his mother's womb, that just gets all over him and he begins to worship. Read it again, Psalms 139, 13. David says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And then he starts praising God. He says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Man, that right there ought to produce the same thing in our hearts. That ought to produce in you and me worship. Why should it produce you and I worship? Because it means that you and I are not an accident. 
It means that you and I are not a mistake. It means that you are not flawed. It means that you are not a result of evolutionary or genetic chance. Because before you were born, before you were born, before you had ever even lived a single day, before you'd ever done anything good or bad, God formed you. He handmade you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. He breathed his breath of life in you. And he said, this one is mine. So Sage Mike, you know why you're not a mistake? Because God made you. And God doesn't make mistakes. So let's start landing the plane here. God loves life. Because God is life. And is the author and the creator of life. Number two, God loves life. Because we are the only part of creation that is handmade by God. And here's the last one. God loves human life because we bear his image. Sage Mike, you and I are image bearers of God. And when you really begin to understand what that means, it really does change everything about how you and I fight for, value, love, care for human life. If you're like me, I grew up in church hearing that I was an image bearer of God, but I had absolutely no idea what it means. When you understand what it means, it's powerful. Let's go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 25. Scripture says that God made the beast of the field, or excuse me, God made the beast of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Okay, so right there, the scripture said that God created the beast of the field, created the cattle, created all the animals, reptiles, and everything, and it says he created them after their kind, and saw it was good. But I want you to watch how, what God says about how he wanted to create man and woman. Genesis 1.26. He said, then... God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The word our there is the trinity. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And he let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Okay? So what the scripture just taught us is that what distinguishes and sets men and women apart from every other part of creation is that we were created in his image. Okay? Church, cows were not created in his image. Dogs were not created in his image. Cats were most certainly not created in his image. Amen? But you and I were. And when you understand that, it really is pretty powerful. Let me, let me explain to you what it means that we were created in the image of God. Well, the word image is the Hebrew word tesela. It was a word in ancient literature that was used to mean the representation of someone's rule and reign. Okay? So I want you to hear that. Word for image, Hebrew word to sell them, ancient word, means a representation of someone's rule and reign. An example of that would be back in the day, 
uh, would be Caesar would put his image on a coin. Or Caesar would put his likeness or his image on a statue. And that would be considered something created in Caesar's image. Now here's the deal. He did that so that whenever you saw that coin, or whenever you saw that statue created in Caesar's image, it was meant to be a reminder to you that Caesar is the king and that he is in charge, and that he rules and he reigns over that kingdom. That's what someone's likeness was. It was always meant to be a reminder of the rule and the reign of an individual that bore that likeness. And so you start to see where God is going with this. God created the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and the fish of the sea after their kind. But then God said, let's make man in our image. And he did that so that everyone that sees you and sees me would be reminded of the rule and the reign of Almighty God. Believer, you are an image bearer of God. God did not put his image on a coin. God did not put his image on a statue. Sage Mott, God put his image on you. You and I are living, breathing representations of his kingdom and his rule and his reign. And that is why when God created man and woman in his image, a picture the representation of his rule and reign, he said, I want you to go into the earth and I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. And the reason he did that is he wanted his image bearers, the representation of his rule and reign to fill the earth. And by the way, a little side note here, learn this, this is pretty fascinating. Back in the day, if a king made something in his image, say a coin or a statue or whatever, and you harmed that image, you destroyed the coin, you destroyed the statue, you destroyed his image, you were in trouble. And here's why. Because back then, an assault on the king's image was considered an assault on the king. Have you ever stopped for a second and thought about why Murder is wrong. Have you ever stopped for a second and thought about why, why is abortion wrong? Have you ever wondered why in the Ten Commandments, right out of the box, God says, you shall not murder. And here is the answer, because when you kill someone, when you end the life, you are ending the life of someone that bears the image of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me think about it. Why does Satan love murder? Why does Satan love abortion? Why does Satan love war? Why does he love human trafficking? Why does he love shootings? Why does he love, why does Satan love when races are at each other's throat? Here's the answer. Satan loves that stuff because when we kill and we destroy each other, we are killing and destroying the representation of the rule and the reign of the one he hates the most, which is Almighty God. And so I don't care what any politicians say. 
I don't care what the politicians say. You and I should value, we should honor, and we should fight for human life from the womb all the way to the tomb for one simple reason, church, because God does, because he does. And so it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter whether you're male or whether you're female. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or whether you're poor. And it doesn't matter whether you're disabled, whether you have Down syndrome, or you are still in your mother's womb. He hand made you. He placed his image on you. He breathed his breath into you. And you are his poem. And when we realize that, that ought to change everything. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you today that this would rest in a fresh way on anyone that needs to hear it. You value us. You value us because you handmade us. We're not an accident. There's no such thing. We are the workmanship, the poem of Almighty God. We bear your image. God, would you remind us of that today? How much you love us, how much you value us, and God, that our lives would reflect the fact that we bear your image, that we are meant to be a picture to this world of the rule and the reign of you, almighty God. Father, I specifically want to pray today for anyone that's in the sound of my voice that's had an abortion. Father, I know that there are women that are hearing this or men that were a part of it that are hearing this. And Lord, I want you to remind them today that your blood is more powerful than any sin. That no sin can separate us from the love of God and that God forgives everything if we come to him and we ask him. Lord, I love you today. I pray that it would just blow us away how much you love us. And I pray that we would be incredible image bearers of you, the one who loved us and loved us first. Father God, I pray that the name of Christ would be exalted in us and in this church. We pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen.